This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu and you're listening to Her Vantage and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. What started only in 2020 has in a few years resulted in ex-lawyer Wong Liya turning her podcast series, So This Is My Why, into quite a phenomenon. Some of the guests include former U.S. Congressman Bonnie Frank to Nick Bernstein, the producer for The Late Late Night Show with James Corden. Now is my turn to ask her why. Hello, Lingya. Hello, Frida. Thank you so much for having me. And this is the first time I'm getting a guest to record this for me because <laughs> my tool doesn't work. But honestly, <laughs> I feel completely, you know, this is not a new thing for me and I'm just so glad I'm not on the other side this time. <laughs> so I got lots of questions for you. And this is great because we first met in 2020, well, virtually, because it was a pandemic. And this decision this year, right, you posted this on LinkedIn. I've just resigned, right? Yeah. And that received a whopping response with over 4 million views, right? Were you surprised? Honestly speaking, I wasn't. And that's because I already spent quite a few months analyzing the platform. And when you spend so much time on it, you kind of see the kind of posts that pop up all the time and you get a sense of what does well and what doesn't do well. So in a way, I must admit it was a little bit strategic. I had a feeling there was no way you could confirm it for sure. I had a feeling it would do well. I was just surprised by how well it actually was. Right. And you were saying that you were analyzing it. What were you analyzing from LinkedIn? I just wanted to see why are people on it? What do you use it for? What does well? What doesn't do well? Because I felt like at the end of the day, when you're doing something like a podcast, you need to put yourself out there. There's so many, many, many platforms. All platforms attract different people. So who is attracted to LinkedIn? Well, always professional people. I mean, these people's CVs are there, so they had to be very careful what they do. So what do they want? What are they drawn to? I just thought this might be a platform that does well. And one day I decided, you know what, I'm just going to give this a go. And within the first week, my first post went viral. And I thought, okay, I'm sticking around because I went viral. (laughs) And so your foray to LinkedIn actually, you know, a little bit later, right? Uh, But before that, you know, I want to know, right, what to make this decision to quit, right? How long did it take and, and to do this, right? What made you decide to do this? I always knew in a way I wanted to quit. Even from the start, law didn't feel quite right. But then it was almost like I was locked into this position where I studied law, I was a lawyer, all my friends were lawyers, all my colleagues were lawyers. What on earth could I do? There was nothing else for me. It felt like everyone was a lawyer. And at some point I decided to do a podcast and I thought, oh, there is a life outside of law. I guess I can figure it out now. And then the question became, well, there is a life outside there, but how do I transition out? It's not as though anyone would want to employ me. People always say, oh, lawyers, a lawyer is very prestigious. It's very transferable. No, it's not. I mean, can you go to someone and say, can you take me on as a marketing specialist? They'd be like, what's your background law? Well, do you want to be our legal department? That wasn't what I wanted. So it was a whole journey of going, okay, I don't want to do law. I need to find something else. But I need to make myself attractive, have some kind of background for people to want to work with me. So that's when I thought, no matter what, just build your own thing because you learn lots of different skills. You draw a lot of people, you build your own community. And over time, I started to realize that more and more people were coming. Then more and more people were starting to say, can we work together? And it's very different, right? When people say, oh, I really like what you're doing too. Can I pay you for this because I like what you're doing? And then I started saying, oh, this paying part is being very consistent. And over time, I reached a point where I realized I was saying no 
because I just didn't have the time. I had to fit everything around my full-time job, around running a weekly podcast and everything else was slotted in if I can. And I thought, what if I just gave this a go? Because I already have a pretty steady income flow. Mm. If I said yes to all this, you never know where it could go. And at the end of the day, I know I don't want this anyway. So there is no harm just trying at the end of the day. If you really, really do terribly, I could technically still go back. Right. There's always that backup plan that our parents yeah. always worry about. What made you decide to go into podcasting? I started podcasting because I discovered a podcast called How I Built This. And the first episode I heard was with Christina Tosin. Never met her, never been to New York. She runs this bakery and I really do not like baking. But for some reason, that one hour, I just love her story. And I realized that voice is really, really powerful. I only spent an hour with her but she felt like my best friend. And I thought, oh, there's something about this that makes you really trust someone without even seeing them or caring or knowing what they do before. So then I started going down this rabbit hole and I realized, oh, I really like this. Everyone feels like my best friend. And then I thought, well, I'm just going to start one. So just start and see where it goes. Right. And I know this was some homework as well, right? Because I remember we've spoken before how you were somewhere hiking and yes. somewhere. Where's the story there? I want to hear that story again. So the story was that I decided before I turned 30, I would hike up Everest Base Camp. And I did that. I turned 30 end of April 2020. And so we did it in March 2020. So we finished the hike and arrived in Kathmandu a day just before lockdown happened. Everything shut down, airports, airlines, hotels, everything. And it was pretty dramatic, I have to say, but it was also sort of in a way quite fun. I mean, all the Malaysians were, we had all this submitted to the embassy. The embassy did all kinds of arrangements because you needed the Malaysian government to apply to the Nepali government to send an airport to save all the Malaysians and bring them back home. So there was whole drama. I think some of my friends were interviewed by BFM as well, saying, please, guys, we exist here. Please send help. So it was quite dramatic. But then eventually we all made it back home. And that's when I decided to kickstart the podcast. Right. Okay. So there was a, a life-changing moment, right? When you could have done this in Nepal as well. Okay. So when you look at your podcast, right, where are most of your views or listenership coming from? Where did it start and how has it transpired since? Most of it still is Malaysia and Singapore for sure. But a huge part of it is from the US, the UK and Australia. So the percentage really varies depending on whose episode comes out. So sometimes it would be 50% Malaysia and Singapore. Sometimes it would be 30% US or UK switch around. It really varies all the time. Okay. Right. And have you been able to monetize this? So in terms of the podcast directly, no. But as a result of, yes. Well, what do you mean as a result of? So with the podcast, it's all about interviewing people, how they basically figure out their why and turn into reality. So it's all about storytelling. How do you take someone's story and make it something that's really simple, really digestible, really inspiring. And people go, oh, I want to learn more. I want to buy their product or their services. So because I was doing that and doing it a lot on LinkedIn, then people started going, oh, I also want to do something on LinkedIn as well. Can I also try that? Can you help me? And as a result of that, I went from helping all my podcast guests to share their stories online to helping individual people come specifically to tell me, for instance, I want to get more clients or... I want to get a new job. Can you help me to share my story on LinkedIn? 
Right. Okay. So interesting, right? What has spun off as a result of that? And of course, I know that you've gone into personal branding and all that. I want to cover that a little bit more as well. You know, you've done over a hundred interviews and I'm sure there's lots more in the back. And these are really huge names, right? What's your strategy for getting that? My strategy is really just to ask. Like there really isn't any big tactic behind it. I realized that for a lot of people, they just aren't asked. People just think, oh, you're so big. There's no way you ever say yes. But then I just ask and you will always remember the people who say yes because they are the ones everyone knows about. And if they say no or they never reply, then you follow up. I would say 70% of people I do get on, they get on because I followed up. Some of them, it takes me at least a year for them to actually come on, sometimes two years. It is persistency. But if you really want the person, then you just ask. Unless they come back and say, I really don't want to do this. Don't ever come back to me, which is, I can come with one hand. How many times people say that? And almost everyone else would say, yeah, you can ask because the way you coach it has to be really simple. It's just, can I circle back to you in a year's time just to ask if you are available at the time? No need for you to commit. So it's just a simple agreement to getting another email from me. That's it. And it's very hard for people to say no. Right. And I love this because you don't ask. You just ask and ask and ask and ask again. <laughs> the strategy. Some people like that. Some people like that. Right. Like Wei Chun from the Woke Salaryman, they are very popular in Singapore. He said that it was because I kept asking that he went, okay, I'll say yes to you. <laughs> okay. We'll talk a little bit more about your favorite interviews. We'll discuss that in just a moment. I'm here with Hong Ling Ya. You're listening to Her Vantage BFM 89.9. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, this is Peter Liu and you're listening to Her Radish and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. I'm here with Wong Lingya, Lingya, who started a podcast, so this is my why. Some of her guests include former U.S. Congressman Barney Frank to Nick Bernstein, producer for the Late Late Night Show with James Corden, plus many, many other people. You know, we were just talking earlier on about how it's about persistency and consistency in asking to get your guests right. How do you identify who you want to speak to, though? Normally, they have to have a compelling story. And they don't have to be a former U.S. congressman. I've had ex-convicts come on before. And that's because there is a compelling story. And for me, I always knew I wanted to feature someone with a story that isn't so conventional. A lot like those who are Forbes billionaires as well, because everyone has a meaningful story. And I also knew where possible, I wanted to show more Asian stories because it's so rare to hear Asian stories as well. I mean, it's just not as common. It's not as well-known as well. So I thought, well, why can't I feature Phil Libin, who co-founded Evernote, put it on the same platform as our own local entrepreneurs and also ex-convicts as well? Because if someone hears Phil Libin's story from the US, likes it, they probably will give all my other episodes a chance. That means the Asian stories will be heard as well. So for me, the most important thing earthly is an engaging story, because if you spend all day just working in an office, I'm so sorry, there's really nothing to talk about. And secondly, you need to have an engaging voice. If you're very dull and just very, you know, unengaging, I mean, it's a podcast. No one's going to write it. So you need to have that engaging voice where people go, okay, I do want to hear your story. It's interesting and you sound interesting too. 
right? And I think it's great that you want to feature Asian stories. I think this is where we ourselves also, you know, don't speak up enough. So you, this is a great platform and they're great Asian stories. I know the one about the ex-convict as well. So I'm not going to ask you who your favorite interviews are, but I do want to ask you what some conversations that have led to your own change of thinking and trajectory. So today I just wrote a post and it featured this person. He's a DTEP VC founder based in Singapore, episode 30, Dr. Finian Tan. So 30 was a long, long time ago. It's very start. And it changed my thinking because he's one of the rare guests I had pre-interview. And at the interview, he basically came and he asked me the question, so how many downloads do you have per episode? And I was like, oh no, I just thought that I had really, 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 really low downloads. And then so I gave myself a very generous overestimate and I said, 250 an episode. And he went, okay, sure, let's do it tomorrow. So the next day we did it. We started at 10 p.m. We went on for three hours. And at the end, I was like, well, why would you do this? And he said, well, I asked you the download rates because if you gave me a very high number, I would just give you one hour. But because it was so low, I really wanted to help you. So I gave you all of the time that you wanted. Yeah, and I thought this is a billionaire deep tech VC who knows everyone in the world. And he decided, I just want to help you. And that's when I realized these people are really impressive and they actually do want to help. It's just that most people think you don't want to and so you never ask. So you just got to ask. And it's okay, don't expect them to say no, but you just got to ask first. Right. That's one way how we would think one thing and they would think something completely different, right? To be yeah. able to spend the time. Because these people, they succeeded not by themselves, but someone else helped them. So then they would go, let's give back. Mm, pay it forward. Any other stories? So many stories. One more. <laughs> I suppose we have to talk about Nick Bernstein. That's always a favorite. Um, Nick Bernstein was very much, he's James Corden's boss. And I found the Lele Show online on YouTube during the pandemic, watched it, and I thought, oh, this is a really interesting person. He's the boss. He is a late night senior producer, VP, and he's been willing to have his entire staff take the mickey out of him. And so I decided to just ask him, because why not? He said online one episode, I'm just going to say yes to everything, because he was very new to this whole, the whole world knows who he is. He said yes. We also did another three-hour interview. This is not Nora, by the way. I normally do an hour and a half. But we did three hours and I didn't expect it. But James later asked on air to his stuff. So what were you up to over the weekend? And Nick then said, oh, I was interviewed by this Malaysian person on the So This is My Wife podcast. And then the whole crew exploded and basically said, who is this person? She found you probably because she's watching right now. So you better release it right now before we break for summer. And we're going to make two shows off the back of that. Which they did, because I broke it into part one, part two. Part one, James Corden and the get the whole crew talked about it. Part two, again, and even after they would make jokes about, oh, were you featured again by a Malaysian podcaster? You are the podcast guest that everyone wants. So it's just so interesting, the fact that I would have never been able to plan for this or apply for right. this. It was just, I saw an opportunity, I saw someone say, I'm going to say yes to everything just take a chance. He said yes. And then he decided to just share it. And it kind of sort of completely changed my life. I mean, it's when I got to go to London. I saw they were in London at the same time. So again, very cheeky. I went, so Nick, I hear you're in London. So do you want to meet for breakfast? So can I get a ticket to one of your shows? Because they were doing a live taping right. four times that week. And the thing is, every ticket is free. 
but over 250,000 people are yes. fighting for each of tickets, right? And he said, sure. So I got a free ticket on the one day I was in town and I went in as a friend of the production crew. Wow. Exclusive. There's a drink session. I got to meet James Corden's parents. No way you can ever apply for this. I knew no one. I still don't know anyone else in late night. But because you just try and you just ask, then all these unexpected doors open. Right. And I was going to say that don't worry if Lingya do call you one day. It's not three hours normally. No, no, no it really <laughs> isn't. It's very, very, very rare. <laughs> Okay, you were saying earlier on that you're also personal branding strategies, right? In your opinion, what are some key must-dos when it comes to personal branding? Is some misconceptions in your opinion? I think the misconception is the fact that you want to be an influencer. That's mm. the big thing everyone goes. But for me, it's really, really simple. For me, I look at how our professional career goes right now. And I just think, isn't it crazy that you could be the very best in your industry? You could work 20 years in this company. But if you decide to leave, you know, resign, if you are laid off, if you decide to retire, you essentially are in ground zero. You have nothing left. Right. All your prestige, all your connection, pay, everything is gone. And then I thought, well, it doesn't have to be that case. What mm. if people around the world, not just within the company, not just your immediate boss, knows who you are, knows what you're capable of, knows who you've been meeting. You share that all the time. So you almost build a personal brand. And when you do that, People who are interested in the area, who are looking for people who are experts in the area, will then come to you. And don't you want to be in the driver's seat? Don't you want to attract people asking you, right. do you want to work together as opposed to you apply 100, 200 times asking, well, can you please give me a consideration because I happen to have that same expertise. And let's face it, they probably have 200 applicants as well. So how do you stand out? This is the only way. You can all be 10 years in litigation but if you have a public profile, then you really stand out because it's your personal story that will stand out and allow people to remember who you are. Right. And the person who, who will be attracted to you will know who you are, right? I mean, you're not going to be attractive to everyone, but at least they know who you are and, huh, I connect with this person, right? It's always on a personal level. Now, you've you've called this your year of yes. <laughs> what have you said yes to and what have been some of the surprises? I've said yes to so many different things. I think it's only been a month plus. So I'm sort of just saying yes to anything and everything. I think the biggest yes has been doing my first on-site in-person interview with the person I'm going to release very soon, Jacqueline Novogratz of Acumen, which I believe, Frida, you are also interviewing. Yes. It was exciting because for the first time I felt, I mean, I came in after Astro Awani and I thought, oh, this is what it's like to be a professional media person. I mean, I've got all my equipment, I've got my stuff, got all the setups. So for me, that was really, really exciting just to say yes. And just saying yes to coming home. I'm in coaching right now. I've never done this before since I left home when I was a teenager. And it was bizarre for me to sit back and go, I want to spend time with my family. That's really important. And I don't actually need to go back to KL. <laughs> so there I was trying to plan my tickets. And I thought one week, maybe two weeks. Maybe three weeks. Okay, maybe I should do three weeks. <laughs> I've never done it in my life. But yeah, that's right. that yes. And I love being able to stay with my family in a way that I never had a chance to before. Right. It's been a while since you say I can stay here for three weeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going through that kind of phase as well. <laughs> what are the plans you've got lined up for the rest of the year? My plans, gosh, it's such an interesting question because... I decided I wouldn't have a specific plan because again, year of the yes, 
And so if you have a plan, then you sort of put yourself into this hole. But for me, it's really just when people come in and they've been, this is the remarkable thing. So many inbound DMs asking, can we work together? Can we work together? So I'm just saying yes to the right ones all the time. And that's occupied plenty of my time. And I realized that I'm just saying yes to people who just want to meet up for coffee as well. So I've got a new guest coming in. One of them is Alvin. He's now a Hollywood music producer, Kuchingai. He did Encanto. Very, very exciting. So very, very interesting people. I mean, he was my senior as well. I never got to know him before. Just being able to reconnect, saying yes, just seeing where things go. I mean, lots of guests I've interviewed myself, they also say, you don't really need to be so rigid with a plan. Just be open to the possibilities. Go down that rabbit hole. And for people like, say, Apollo Ono, he was the most decorated U.S. Winter Olympian. He also had the great divorce going from athlete to goodness knows what. And he said, I went through a year of yes. I said yes to everything. And eventually I decided I was clear on what I wanted and I cut down and I focused on that. So for me, just say yes to whatever seems interesting and then I'll figure it out from there. All right. Okay. It's nice to hear all these Sarokins doing their thing. <laughs> and you're very excited for you and to see what you'll be up to in the coming months, in the coming years. I was speaking to Wong Lingya. And if you haven't checked out her podcast, do check that out. So this is my why. And of course, I'm Free Liu. You've been listening to Her Vantage BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.